Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. <clears throat> but strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use and their, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, how I thank you for the service this morning. Lord, how I thank you for your word. And Lord, I just, uh, Lord, lay myself before you, Lord, uh, admitting, Father, that I cannot do this. God, I just pray that you would take control. Lord, I pray you would speak to your people in a special way, I pray. In Jesus' holy name, and amen. <clears throat> so John came into my office uh, just right after Sunday school, not having any idea what I was going to preach about this morning. And uh, this is what he said. He said, I'm reading my Bible every day. Praise God. Amen. And he said, not because I'm supposed to, because I want to. Amen. And uh, how glorious that is and how, how God lines all these things in. So I uh, um, Renee sung that song, I'm Nothing Without You, and <clears throat> I didn't tell Renee this or, or anybody, but um, <clears throat> we got home yesterday, and I spent, I don't know, several hours studying, preparing, had my notes all wrote out, and, and worked really, really hard, and, and I went to bed last night, and I thought, God, I don't feel any, I don't feel you, I, I, don't, I don't feel the prompting, I don't, I don't feel anything on this. I got up and I said, well, Lord, just, you know, show me what I'm supposed to do through the night, through the morning. I got up this morning, I had nothing. I mean, I had nothing. And so I don't know what time it was this morning, but um, I scrapped the whole thing and started over uh, with, a, with a whole new message. And then uh, to help out with that, my computer was completely uh, dysfunctional for a long time. So I had quite the interesting morning. But I say all that to say this, I can't do this without God. I can't do this without God. And that's what I told God. I got up this morning and I said, God, I, I, I can't do this. I, I don't want to do this. If you're not in this, I, I don't want to do it. And, and so uh, I, I trust that, um, that, that God will be in this. <clears throat> so <clears throat> we have talked many times in this church. It's not a new subject. I've been saying it for a very, very long time. But it, it, we have talked so long about the importance of studying the Bible. That's not a new thought, right? My struggle has been, and I, I feel like I've been trying to really promote this really since I've been the pastor, and I, I think this is one of the, the, the cornerstones of what I've always tried to promote is that we need to read the Bible. My struggle has been, and I really have 
struggled to figure out how to overcome this, but my struggle has been to, to talk to nearly any Christian that you talk to. They say, oh yeah, I believe in studying the Bible. The Bible is the most important thing. That's what all Christians say. In this church, in any church you go to, everyone says the Bible is the most important. Uh, but after you talk to them just a couple minutes, you realize they don't read the Bible. They don't study the Bible. That it's not important to them. And so we can say with our lips, this is the most important thing in church. We can say for, with our lips, I believe in reading this. But guys, listen, it doesn't matter if you say you believe it, you got to do it. Right? That, that, that's kind of the bottom line. So we're not here just, <clears throat> I've never met a Christian who said, no, I just don't think the Bible's important. <laughs> I've never met that Christian. Uh, you know, I've never met someone said, I'm not, I, I, you know, I, we, we shouldn't be reading that. I've never read that person. But I've met a multitude of people. And, and dare I say, a vast majority of the Christians that I have met really have very little interest in the Word of God. <clears throat> a statement was made at the preacher's retreat we had a few months back really stuck out to me I have yet to forget it get it off my mind but but I want you to think about this how profound this statement is the statement was made most preachers don't want to talk about the Bible is that a staggering thought and what that means is if you get a, if, you, if you've got if you've got 50 preachers together you know what they're gonna be talking about football Fishing, guns, the Bible, no. And that kind of ought to tell us because they're the ones who are supposed to be leading us into uh, where we're going. If they're not just in uh, um, full of it, then we have a problem in our churches, right? And, and so we need to get to a place where the word of God is important to us. So how do I make it clear that we need to study the Bible. So let's look at this passage. I know it's a very familiar passage. But let's, let's take a look at it. I think it's very revealing if we can just pick it apart just here for a minute. <clears throat> but it is clear that the writer of Hebrews, whoever that is, the writer of Hebrews is addressing Christians. Is that clear? Are you, are you guys with me? He says, he says, for the time that you should be better, better acquainted with the word of God, you're, you're, you're not. So he's clearly speaking to Christians here, people who are in the church, people who say they are saved, who are not reading the Bible. And he says, by now, you should have been farther along in your understanding of the Bible. And then he says uh, this words, you're dull of hearing. And, and that simply means, look that word up, that, that dull of hearing, it, it is the idea you're not able to comprehend, you're not able to receive, you're not able to grasp what the Bible says. And I think that's a real problem. I think that's a, it's a huge problem in the church. And then he goes on to say, uh, you know, you should be a place where you could teach others, but you have a need to be taught again. But I think this is very, very, very fascinating when we look at what this says. And I hope this is making sense to you guys. In verse number 12, he says, For ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. So you are a Christian and you're in church. You should be in a place where you could teach others, but you're in a neat place where one more time you need to get the basics. And you say, what are, the, what are the first oracles of God? Well, he tells us plainly, if you look in chapter 2, or I mean in chapter 6, verse 2, uh, he speaks about those, those, those 
uh, basic principles, the, the, the fundamental things, the start of the, it's baptism, it is, it is the resurrection from the dead, it's eternal death. It's how you get saved. And I've said this many, many times, but sometimes so many churches, what do we want to preach every time we're there? Jesus died on a cross. Hallelujah. You accept him as your Savior, you don't have to go to hell. Hallelujah. Is there anything more in the Bible besides that? Guys, that's where we get in. That's not where we stay. That is the, we have to get those things, but that is the milk. That is the basics. And some people never move past that. And God help you if you're a Christian and you don't know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you don't know that you go to heaven because of that. But there's more to that. And in the sixth chapter, he says, you need to move on past those things. And he said in verse three, he said, and this we will do. We'll go on to deeper things. So back in chapter five, <clears throat> Let's look real careful what he says. Verse 13. I'm trying to make sure I say this the right way. And don't let Gary get in this when I say this. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So he tells them, you know, verse 11, 12 there, that they, that they have need of milk and not of meat. But then he says, he explains, how do you know who is using milk? He said, those that are unskillful. And, and so we see people taking verses, you know, there are cliches in the Christian world. There are those verses that we all know and can quote. There are those things you can just kind of throw around because you've just heard them said so much in church and, and you're unskilled. In other words, you don't have the ability to go down into what the Bible says and pull out something uh, of your own and actually teach the word of God. You're, you're just you're just repeating cliches and familiar verses. And isn't that so very common in church? So so we kind of tell on ourselves that there's not a depth to our understanding of the Word of God. But then look at verse 14. This is, this is really important. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and and evil. I would like to offer this morning that when it says that they're full of age, that is not saying if you've been saved a long time, you're on the meat. That's not what that's saying. What that's saying is that, that to get on meat, you have to spend a lot of time. And, and, it, and it, he goes on when he says, even those he's explaining, I'm not just talking about being saved a long time. Uh, here's what I'm talking about. So it says by reason of use, that word use is very interesting. Kind of the, kind of the crux of what I want to talk about this morning. The word use, if you look that up, it is the idea of a habit or something you always do. Can I tell you, just like John said, this ought to just be something you want to do every day. It ought to just be something that is just part of who you are. I would go a step farther and say, if something happens that you can't, you ought to feel like something's missing in your life. This ought to just be something that is just, it is just, it's like eating. I, I, I don't ever get up. Those of you guys know me, I don't ever get up and say, man, I forgot to eat today. I forgot all about it. I, it just slipped my mind. I don't go all day long and say, I don't even notice that I didn't eat. I notice I'm hungry, right? That's the way the Word of God is. You ought to get up and say, I desire it. I long for it. If I didn't get it, I am hungry. I, I'm missing something in my life. So by use, it's a habit. It's a continual, uh, uh, regular process that we go through. And then it says they have their senses exercised. And looked up that word. 
And it is the idea of, um, of just simply using it. it. It's really just what it says is, is what it means. It's, it's the idea of I have this knowledge, now I'm using it. I'm, I'm exercising it. I'm, I, I'm putting it to use. I'm, I, I'm implementing it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something with it. And, and, and then he goes on to say to discern both good and evil. And we could preach a long time on that, preach a whole message on that. But how many of you know that in a day we live in, we need some discernment? There's a lot of craziness. There's a lot of craziness in this world. And sometimes there are things we face we've never faced before. And you know what we need to do? We need to have enough Bible in us. And because we have, uh, uh, because of use and because of we have exercised it, we now can discern from the Word of God what is right and what is wrong. So that is what is needed in church. And, and I think that's a very, uh, um, really clear picture of the necessity of all Christians studying the Bible, learning the Bible, getting the Bible within them, uh, uh, getting a depth of the Bible. Uh, you know, it's been said many, many times, but uh, what if the day comes when we don't have a Bible? How much of the Bible do you, will you still have? You know, there are people who, if they took the Bible, you know, God forbid, I mean, I, that, that, that would be absolutely horrible. But there are people that if you took the Bible away from them today, they have so much of it stored up inside them, they could just recite it the rest of them, their life. And there are other people, if you took it away, they would have nothing. Right? So this is important stuff. This, this is really, really important stuff. So, <clears throat> uh, this outline is not going to be a typical message, certainly, and it's not really uh, an expository message. Uh, uh, I get that. But I've been doing a lot of studying on history. Talked a little bit about this in Sunday school. And it, there's just such a clear point here to be made. I just really desire to, sh to share with you the thing. So, so people say they don't like history. And, and most people, I would say probably even most people here think history is very, very uh, boring. I myself think it's one of the most fascinating things you can read. I absolutely love history. It is so fascinating to study. But, but it has been said, and I, this is a famous quote. I'm not sure who said it. Uh, I should have looked it up. But, um, but those who don't learn from history will repeat history. Right? <laughs> Now, I, I just want to try and illustrate this real quickly. Do you guys know that really human nature has not changed since the Garden of Eden? We're just like them. You know, we might have iPads and, and cell phones, but we're still just people. We're selfish. We're self-centered. We're, we're evil and corrupt. And man is, is the same as he has been for 6,000 years. So it was brought up in Sunday school. Brother Kevin brought this up in Sunday school. But I'm, I'm trying to prove the point of, of studying history. Do you know that if you will study out history, every culture since the beginning of time until today, every culture that has turned to homosexuality has very shortly after that fallen. Rome turned to homosexuality and Rome fell. Every, every culture that has turned to homosexuality has very shortly after that fallen. But we're going to be the first one that doesn't do that. We're going to be the first one that doesn't happen to, right? 
But I got to thinking about that. In Romans chapter 1, it says when you turn your back on God, he will, he will turn you over to a hardness of heart. And he said, I'll take away the desire to just be as rated G as I can. I'll take away the desire for a woman, and I'll give you the desire for a man. And then it's over. <clears throat> Big, this just is staggering to me. I'm still trying to make my point about history. This is staggering to me. Could have never, ever, ever seen this coming. But can you believe we're, we're having the conversation today in our nation of should we have socialism or should we not have socialism? And whatever your political views are, can I just say this? This isn't a Republican or Democrat thing. This is a history lesson. If you study history for, from eternity past, or from, from since man began, every single nation who's ever had socialism has completely corrupted and fell and turned into complete poverty. And the people who are really smart, who know history, this is what they say. Listen to me. This is what they say. Yes, it has failed every other time, but we're going to get it right this time. The 900 other times it did it, it didn't work, but we're going to get it right this time. Can I tell you, if you don't pay attention to history, you're going to repeat history. You're just going to do exactly what they did. And if we decide to become a socialist nation, we will become a third world country who has nothing. It, it sounds great to say the government's going to pay for everything and take care of everything for me, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We've proven, and this, this isn't Gary talking, this isn't a, a, a political statement, it's just a fact. If you study history, you'll learn that doesn't work. It never has worked, never will work. <clears throat> Funny thing is, when you take everybody's money away, they say, I'll quit working. <laughs> if you're going to take all my money, why would I work so you can have something better than I have? So I'm just going to quit working, and well, nobody will work, and then we won't have anything. We'll be a third world country. So, But back to the lesson, if we take that same thought and we look at, at history, we will see clearly what the Bible does when we study it. So we got 2,000 years to cover here, guys. <clears throat> All right, it shouldn't take us more than four or five hours, I assure you. Okay, we'll have this done. <laughs> All right, Brother Bo, it will take us just, just a few hours. We'll have this in. But we got 2,000 years worth of history to cover here. So let's just try to go through this quickly. I am going to skim the surface, obviously. And I would say this as you look up some of these, uh, uh, some of these dates, as you try to study out history, not everything is black and white. Not everything started on, you know, this is such and such a date. Some of it is, uh, is generalities, but I, but I think we have a really clear picture here of what the Bible does and what it doesn't do whenever we don't study it. So we start out in the first century. We've been studying the book of Acts, and we learned that in the book of Acts, right out of the gate, right out of Pentecost, right when the church very first started, what do we find the people doing? What do we find the common people doing? What do we find Christians doing? They're learning the apostles' doctrine. Right? They're sitting at, listen, a lot of these people were probably unlearned. They were probably ignorant. They probably weren't highly educated. But they were sitting at the feet of the apostles learning the apostles' doctrine. Now, just, I hope everybody knows this, but just to make sure that this is clear, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who were they? They were the apostles who, or they, or they, or those writings came from the apostles. The Acts is the, is the Acts of the apostles. All the epistles are, are the epistles of the apostles. And the book of Revelations is written by John, who was an apostle. So what are they talking about? We're talking about the New Testament. And when they didn't have it written, they had it coming out of the mouths of the apostles. And they were studying it. When they got it written, they studied the written word. And if we go back and study in history, first century into the second century, uh, it, it is said that the Christians turned the Roman Empire upside down. 
It is said millions and millions were saved because of the church. Can I say that literally the culture was being shaped by Christians because they studied the Bible? Will you guys have that? Because they studied the Bible, right? It impacted their culture. Uh, the church grew. It was strong. Great things happened because they were studying the Bible. And then we move ahead a few hundred years and we get to the third century or four, third or fourth century in that, in that area. And an interesting thing happened. The church, the hierarchy, the, the established church, they decided only the bishops should read the Bible. They actually made it a law, a church rule and a law. No common people were allowed to read the Bible. You're not allowed. If you do, you have sinned against the church. And so to make sure that happened, what they did was they made sure all of the Bibles were primarily written in Latin, which the normal people couldn't read. So we have a time span when... Christians were not allowed to read the Bible. The leaders would tell them what to believe. So the, the bishop would stand up and say, I've read the Bible and I'm going to tell you what it says and I'm going to tell you what to believe. And you better do what I say because I'm speaking for God. And you couldn't go home and say, I don't know if he's right. You couldn't go home and, and look it up. You just had to do what he said or uh, um, that, that was the only options you had. It got to a place where the rules of man overrode the Bible. The church became very corrupt. And guys, do you know what they call that period of time? The Dark Ages. Literally. There's different spans they have it but it, i've heard from 900 to 1400 years but literally that span of time in there from like the 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 second or third century up until the the 1300s literally is called the dark ages and literally it is because they said you can't read the bible can't read the bible now i believe there were probably christians in that time but those christians were not allowed access to the bible and the bishops became corrupt telling them what to do and it, it greatly uh just just Washed the church where the church could have no effect on the culture, could have no effect on, on souls being saved, could not grow, could not do anything. The, the church was completely uh, held back uh, because they were not allowed to read the Bible. <clears throat> so we started out studying the Bible. We stopped studying the Bible. Literally, the world kind of just fell apart. The church fell apart. Christianity fell apart. Everything just went, uh, went away because we stopped studying the Bible. We move to uh, the, the period of translators. John Wycliffe uh, in 1384 translated a Bible into the common language of the people. Now, this was highly illegal. This was not allowed. You could not do this. But he said, I believe the common people should be able to read it. Uh, Martin Luther uh, translated a Bible in 1522. And then William Tyndale came along, and he, he was the first English translation from the Greek and the Hebrew. Uh, uh, John Wycliffe actually translated from the Septuagint. And I know you guys don't care about any of that stuff, but, but let me just say this. What, what I'm trying to get across is the, the bishop said the normal people cannot have the Bible, and these translators came across and said, we're going to make it so the normal people can have the Bible. Okay, <clears throat> so the common people read the Bible, and guess what they said? 
the pastor's been lying to us. <laughs> right? I mean, for hundreds of years, we weren't allowed to read this. All we had was what the pastor said. All we had was what the bishop said. And now that we have the Bible, we realize that scoundrel's been lying to us. He's not telling us what the Bible says. He's not been accurate. He's deceiving us. He's giving us man-made rules, and he's not teaching us the Bible. So they begin to rise up. Does anybody know what that's called? The, re re the Protestant uh, Reformation. And that word Protestant is just clearly the word to protest. We protest what the church does. So the common people, the congregation, rose up against, if you will, the pastors and said, no, 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 we're going with the Bible. We're not going with you. Can I tell you that's what you guys need to do if I ever get away from the Bible? If I'm not teaching the Bible, you guys need to stand up and say, no, pastor, we're not going to do that. We're going to go by the Bible. Amen? Amen, guys? If I teach you false doctrine, you need to stand up and you need to say, that is not acceptable. We will go by the Bible, right? And, and that's what the common people did. So we had the Protestant Reformation. It, it dates, again, varies, but, but uh, uh, one, one number that I found, uh, 1517 to 1648, uh, uh, in, in that general area. But we had men like, uh, like Martin Luther and, and John Calvin and, and, and many of the reformers that came. And they just and the word reform simply means to get back to the Bible. That's what it means. We're going to stop taking the word of man and we're going to go back to the Bible. Well, they brought back the biblical doctrine uh, and its authority. Here is what I want you guys to see. I don't know if I'm making any sense or not. The church was strong under the apostles. When they took the word of God away, the church became very weak for 900 to 1400 years. The church once again started reading the Bible and does anybody know what happened in the Reformation? The church became very strong. Souls started getting saved. The church started growing. We got back to the Bible, got back to what the Bible actually said, began to kick out the, the traditions of man and begin to put in uh, what thus saith the Word of God. And the culture was changed once again. Isn't that staggering? I'm trying to show you just the simple thought of uh, studying the Bible literally can change a nation. And I, I will say very dogmatically, I've been saying this for, for a long time, but I will say this very, very dogmatically, the United States of America could be turned around if people just start reading the Bible. You say all of our problems and everything that's wrong with this country and everything going on, who can fix it? If we'd start reading the Bible, it would fix the United States of America. You guys believe that? Two of you do. All right. <laughs> Guys, it would change the country if we would read the Bible. So, <clears throat> ironically enough, this was mentioned in Sunday school. <clears throat> but, and again, we don't have time to, to go into depth on this, but just kind of as a, as a real quick summary. Uh, uh, most of you know, well, when they used to teach us in school, they don't teach it anymore, but when they used to teach us in school, uh, um, over in England, the, the church began to lock down again and say, you can't, you're going to do it our way, you're going to believe what we believe, or you're not going to uh, you have the freedom to, to read the Bible for yourself. And there were some Christians who said, we're going to do what the Bible says. And literally, the pe I don't know if you guys know this, but the people who were on the Mayflower, does anybody know what that was? That was literally a congregation of church people. It was like all of us saying we're getting on that boat and we're going somewhere where we can worship the Lord. That's literally what it was. And I believe if we have the numbers right, 50% uh, of those or over 50% of those who left and came to, to what was then America uh, uh, 
died, uh, they, they gave their lives uh, to come to, ha- to start a country that was free uh, to serve the Lord. But they were very, very strong on biblical doctrine. They were very strong on what thus saith the Word of God. They studied the Word of God, <clears throat> and they gave their lives uh, uh, to, to have the, the ability to live what the Bible taught. <clears throat> so then... We move into the, the, the period of time, the, the 1700s and the 1800s. This is fascinating to me. I've been dying to tell you guys this. It's so very fascinating. And I, and I really think that most people don't realize this. Like I said, I've been doing a lot of studying on it. So <clears throat> do, we got, do we get that we're trying to rewrite American history? Do, does, does anybody know that? We're, we're trying to rewrite American history. We're trying to, to say what really happened didn't happen, and we're trying to rewrite it. And, that, and that's the day that we live in, and most of our schools do no longer teach the, what, the, what the truth is about history. But here are some things you can't really dispute. If you go back to when they were writing the Declaration of Independence, if you go back to when they were writing the Constitution, and those guys would get out and they would have you know uh, big gatherings, if you will, a congressional meeting, and they would speak. Does anybody know what they would speak? They quoted scripture, right? And we say, well, they weren't really Christians. They weren't this, they weren't that. Well, it's kind of funny because they had the Bible memorized. And literally you can go back and you can look at Washington and Franklin and many, many of those. And you can look at their, we still have their documents. We just don't want anybody to see them. We can look at their, their what they learned. And literally you can take and they would, they, they, would, they would speak 14 sentences. And in 14 sentences, they would quote 14 scriptures. Guys, they had it memorized. They had it in their head. It was a very big deal. And, they, and the laws and what they were trying to do and everything was around uh, what thus saith the word of God. Now here's something I want. I've been dying to tell the moms this forever. And I finally found a message to do it in. But this is, this is a fact. This is, not, this is not craziness. This is a fact. Okay. Back in this period of time... It is said that it was very common, it was very normal, it was actually the, the norm for all, that preschool kids had read the entire Old Testament. That's Juliet's age. Had read the entire... How many of you adults, don't raise your hand, how many of you adults have never read the Old Testament? Right? I'm talking preschool kids, almost every one of them read the Old Testament. Here's another mind blower. You ready? Back in this era, the kids that were Juliet's age... They knew English and Greek and Latin. They would have, they would be bilingual, N- not not stuttering through it, but very fluent. Okay, staggering. It is said back in this time uh, that first and second graders, th- this was just the normal for all. There was there was one little boy that there was a record of. He decided he was going to be a show off. He he decided to to memorize the book of John, Saint John, to memorize. I believe 30 Psalms and the 119th Psalm. Does anybody know the 119th Psalm? 176 verses, right? But he was a show off. But all the rest of the kids, they weren't really all that good. All they did was memorize the entire book of John. I'm trying to show you guys, this is, this is what we used to be. And this is how we got what we have because we studied the Bible, because it was important. And, and, and when all that started to slip away, um, things drastically changed. Now, this is a point. I don't know how we fix this. I don't know how we change this. Um, I, I don't know how we change this at Sandhill Church. Um, and, and it seems like even at Sandhill Church, this is kind of a bad word. <laughs> okay. I'll step down here when I say this. 
Here's what they decided in 1920. For all of these years they had been teaching, the moms would do this. They would give the, the kids a doctrinal dilemma without an answer. And they would say, think through it. And the little four-year-old kids had to learn to think for themselves. To make decisions. Okay, some genius, some really smart, intelligent person decided what we need to do in the public schools is stop making them think and give them the answer. So now there's no need to think or process or work it through. Just allow them to have the answer. So we're going to tell you what to believe and tell you what to think and tell you what the right answer is. And we will after that, then we'll just throw in the, the question and you just know the answer because we told you. And so now kids begin to stop thinking and they just started reciting the answer. I, I'm not very familiar with this. Uh, I'm probably going to look kind of stupid right here, but um, I have, I've heard just a little bit of talk about it. I was really, really good at math when I was in school. I absolutely love math because math is uh, it, it's always the same, right? Um, as far as I know, two plus two is still four. It used to be anyway. Okay, and, and I really, really like math. Well, then, and then, then it started to change, and then algebra isn't what algebra used to be, and calculus isn't what calculus used to be, and, and all it, it begins to And now they have all these different things where they just want to just give you the answer, and you don't have to figure out how you get there. They just, they just give you the answer. How many of you understand that that doesn't work? I used to work for a guy, this was a long, long time ago. I was about 12 years old, but I used to work for a guy, and he, and I know this is old, and you, you young people can't comprehend this. But this guy, literally, you could throw any numbers down on a sheet. You could, you could put four and five digit numbers down, and there'd be ten of them down. And he could just look at it, and he could there's the answer. His mind was like a calculator. You know why? He used it. He used it, right? And now we say, no, we don't need to think. We just need to just have the answer. And, and my point is, if you go back and study it in the 1920s, when that genius came up with that idea to bring that into our school systems, you know what happened? Our intellect went and now we don't have thinkers anymore. Now, I'm not trying to get, I, I don't want this to be a political message, but it astounds me in the church and in the culture how many grown people we have that are 40 years old that can't think for themselves. Someone gives them the answer and they do what they're told. Now, I don't really believe there's a human being that was smart enough, but is there possible a being that in 1920 figured out if we get people to quit thinking, we could control what people do? And now we'll just tell you the right answer and we'll tell you what to think and you don't need to understand how we got there. All you need to understand is this is the right answer. And my point is, if we would get back to teaching the kids to think, think things through, we'd be a lot farther ahead than what we are now. And when this happened, if you go back and study in the 1700s and the 1800s when the, when the United States was strong on the Bible, we were a strong, vibrant people who knew the Bible. And when we come to turning this, uh, this new direction, we, we've lost the Bible. <clears throat> now, we, we believed what we were told there was less personal biblical knowledge. Now, we can talk about everything going on in this nation, but how many of you know, some, some of you older ones that are here, older, as old as me or older, how many of you know that there was a day 
when the preacher told you what to think. Does anybody know that? He told you what to think. He told you what to believe. It didn't matter if he backed it up with the Bible. It didn't matter if he was right. He would tell you what to believe, what to do, what not to do, and you didn't question it because the preacher said so. Can I tell you that's dangerous? Can I tell you that's wrong? Can I tell you what we need to do? We need to preach the Bible. We need to preach the Bible, and you guys need to be reading the Bible so you can tell me when I'm preaching something to you that's not accurate. Guys, that's why we have a strong church, and nothing else will work. And you believing what I said, you know, it, it's always, uh, you know, as a preacher, you can, have, you can have ego and stuff and say, boy, I feel really good. They're following me. But can I tell you guys that you don't want to follow me. Nobody here wants to follow me. You want to follow, thus saith the word of God, Right? And so, so we look at what happened with this. And so, again, back to the 1900s, a lot of people didn't have a lot of education, and they were already in the school being taught not to think for themselves, only to do what they were, to just take the answer that was given to them. We bring that into the church, and we begin to see a church through the 1900s that, that was not really very deep biblically, but they were really deep in what they were told. And I don't know if anybody can see that or not. I'm not going to try to spend a lot of time explaining that. Uh, but I, I want you to understand that that, that, is, that is kind of how it is. So we look at 2,000 years of history, and it's pretty plain. When the people of God read the Bible, we have a strong church. When the people of God don't read the Bible, we have a very weak church. The culture is not affected, lost or not saved, and, and we are vulnerable to all of the errors of the culture. <clears throat> so... Um, and just a real, real quick note for you Bible readers. I, I didn't put this in your notes, but just a real quick, this is, we're jumping outside of the 2,000 years. We can stand another 1,000 years or so, can't we? <laughs> if we go to the Bible, does anybody remember what happened in the Old Testament when they forgot the Bible? Did they ever forget the Bible in the Old Testament? You guys have read, have read the Bible? And what happened when they forgot the Bible? They just went completely off the rails. And then Josiah would say, I found a book. Let's read it. It is the Word of God, and as they begin to read it, it begins to straighten the nation back out. Guys, this has been this way since Adam and Eve. Without the Bible, we're going to go astray every time. With the Bible, uh, things drastically change. So today, 2022, we have ample evidence to prove we cannot have church without studying the Bible. Studying the Bible is studying it as a habit, as a, as a normal everyday thing that you do, is applying it to all of your lives, as I said, use, by reason of use and, and by exercise, and so as you can discern both good and evil. It, it is exactly what the, what the book of Hebrews teaches us, and there is a push today for that. And, 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 and um, there's a lot of controversy in the church, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people that are down on the church for mistakes that the church has made. Probably rightly so. There's a lot of the younger generation coming up pushing back against what the older generations have done. But can I tell you, if we have strayed from the Bible, someone should push back on us. All right? If we've strayed from the Bible, someone should push back on us. We need to go by the Bible. And, and, and as, the, as the days get darker and darker, we're going to need to rely on the Bible. And what I'm trying to say, and I'm so glad that, that, that preaching this message this morning, I can stand before a congregation that I believe most of you have gotten this. 
haven't always been able to say that, but I believe most of you are on board with reading your Bible, with, with the necessity of it, with the need of it, with not only just reading it uh, as a habit or a chore, but actually studying it and learning it. Uh, most of you are on board with the uh, strategic comprehension that we're doing. But has that made a difference in our church? Those of you that have been here a little while, has that made a difference? Since, since, since 2019 till today, is our church different? And I believe you could just say one reason. It is because the congregation started studying the Bible, and it has changed our church. And we get along. It just blows my mind how we get along. Do you know why we get along? Because we study the Bible. It isn't because of great leadership. It isn't because of OCC. It isn't because of NOIC. It isn't because of any of that stuff. It is because we study the Bible. And we read the Bible that says to love others and to not hold grudges and to not be mad and to not fly off a handle and act sinful. And the Bible is controlling our lives. Do you guys see how phenomenal this is? And, and just real quick, while I'm here, you go into so many churches and they say we are Christian, we are saved we believe in the Bible. They hate each other. They won't speak to each other. They tell one another off. They're mad all the time. They're mean as capperheads. Do you know why? They don't study the Bible. I don't have to go in there and give them a theological test. All I got to do is just wait a little while and see how they treat each other. And I'll say, yep, you guys ain't reading your Bible. <laughs> right? If you guys are mean and hateful, you're not reading your Bible. And if you're nice and loving and there's unity and there's closeness, oh, you guys must be reading your Bible. Is that simple enough for you guys? And can I tell you that the dead is spelled out in the book of Corinthians. Paul literally says you are carnal and babes because there's fighting and dissension among you. Bible literally says that. So there's important to read about. So, so we're back to today. We have made that push at the Sand Hill Church. If you study what's happening all over the country, so many of our churches all over, and then talking about every denomination and all, all across the land, they're, they're starting to say, you know what, guys? The people need to study the Bible. The preacher should have always been studying the Bible, but the people need to study the Bible. And there's a big push for that going on in our country. <clears throat> I think it's all right for me to say this on, on, uh, on live stream, but... <clears throat> Uh, Shelby Church, we had the uh, preacher's retreat in, uh, back a few months ago, and, and we introduced to them the, what we do here, the comprehensive, uh, st uh, strategic comprehension that we do here, and they took it back to their church. Now, Shelby Church is probably one of the better churches that we have in all of our churches, all of our church circles, right? A, a strong church, you know, a good church, a sound biblically, just a good church. But they introduced that, forget this, for the congregation to study the Bible. And the reports are coming back to us now that people who have been in church for 40 and 50 years are saying, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> it's changing the church. And so I hope you guys see that uh, um, uh, number 10 the path to a strong church that impacts the culture is biblical knowledge. <clears throat> so we can have all kinds of discussions and disagreements, and you can have your belief, I can have mine. But can I just tell you, really, if you want to know the honest truth, you can't fight against history. You can say homosexuality will not destroy this nation, but you've got to fight with 6,000 years of it destroying every nation that's done it. You, you, can, you can have all these different things, but whenever it's happened in the past, probably going to happen again. And every time any church has ceased to study the Bible, it has become weak and irrelevant and very, very self-centered.
We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.